Hello, I'm Brett Terpstra, and you're listening to Systematic. This week's guest is Tris Hussey, a freelance content marketer. How's it going, Tris? Brett, it's great. And we were just talking last week about stuff, so it's it's an honor to be on this podcast. That, that, I'm the, so flattered. The easiest way to get on Systematic is to have me on your podcast first. All right. So then if I want to be on again, do I have to have you on again? Which would be fine, but... Yeah, I don't think it works twice. No, okay. Um, I get it. You have to wait for the rotation to come back around. Like after I took a year off of Systematic, and then since starting it back up, most of my guests have been people that were on like five, six years ago and like catching up with them. But uh, it turns out you're okay. So I, I feel like we've known each other in a digital sense for a long time. And I had it, yeah. I had it in my head that you had actually been on Systematic before, but you haven't. But I haven't. No, but we have known each other in the digital sense for a very, I think probably almost 10 years. How did we, how did we first connect? Oh, it, it was, I think it was probably while I was still a professional blogger and tech journalist and doing a lot of writing. And I think I, I might've stumbled on NV alt and, uh, then quickly saw marked the first version came out and scooped that up in a heartbeat. And then when Mark two came up, I grabbed that. And then I've just kind of followed the stuff you do. Not that I understand all of it. <laughs> when you and Christina Warren were talking in your last overtired episode, I was like, wow, I have no idea what they're talking about, but it sounds so cool. I wish I could do those things. Yeah. I feel like that episode, like we, our audience is by and large, super nerdy. But then again, when I say things like that, I realize I work off of assumptions and we don't get a lot of like data on who actually listens to the show other than like random tweets. So I, you know what? I don't even know what my, my primary demographic for this show is. I would say humans who are interested in learning new things. If the, if, if the episodes that I've seen are any indication yeah. Curious humans. That's, that's my, that's my target demo. Curious humans. They, they are usually the most fun humans. So really, so yeah. what, uh, how do you define content marketing? Oof. Uh, I, I think it is the, the, the teenage version of professional blogging, which means you're, you're creating content for a business to help them meet some kind of some kind of business goal, whether it's more leads or more app downloads or just thought leadership in general, um, any any of those things. And I really do it. It it did come right out of professional blogging when I'm asked about that. I said, "Well, I've been content marketing for 16 years," and people look at me or you know the raised eyebrow goes up. And it's like, "Well, I know it wasn't called that back then, but that's what it was when we were business blogging." It really was. It was content marketing. We just didn't realize it yet. So what does teenage version mean? It means we still have a lot to learn. And I think we have a lot of angst. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I think content marketing is, it's kind of, maybe we're almost ready to graduate from high school as in content marketing. But I don't think we've hit our stride. And I think there's a lot of experimentation going on, which is great, which is like what all your teenage years are about. 
Um, there's certainly the emo crowd and the, and the, 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 the popular kids crowd and, uh, the, you know, the drama and band group and, and the geeks in, in content marketing who are seeing where this is going to go. Cause I think it's too early to, to really pigeonhole it because we're still figuring out what really the best things are because not that long ago. People only thought about content marketing, I think, as blogging. And they didn't look at the whole picture, which is like podcasting and and audio um, and webinars and those expanded versions or even, you know, posting on, on LinkedIn um, and other social media. Like people didn't think of, they thought uh, early on, you know, Twitter, you know, like, oh, I'm going to share this on Twitter. And it's not really part of my content marketing, but it, it is. It all has to be part of the same story. It has to be all part of the same thing. So we're still figuring it out. And I think once, you know, we, we finish high school, we're getting into college, and we uh, go into our, maybe our, our, our philo- philosophical phase, <laughs> right? We're going to hang around, drinking um, obscure imported beer, smoking clove cigarettes, and uh, talking deep thoughts about the true meaning of content, then we're going to kind of mature and be have things figured out. Because I think everyone's still figuring stuff out, like where you know how what metrics to measure and how to measure them, and what are important, what are just the vanity metrics versus actual metrics. Yeah, yeah. things that things that we don't we don't really. If you look at the digital marketing world and ads. I mean, that's pretty that's mature i mean we've been doing it since the late 90s we, we we figured that one out pretty well but content i think is still evolving do you if you had to uh pick one medium that you thought if a client could only afford to hire you for one medium is is it still blogging that's kind of the primary uh yeah. most effective yeah i think so because it has the most potential to spin off into and support other things. So if you have a really good solid blog and you uh, set up a good story, what's your brand story and what are the the value propositions that are going to connect with your customers? Then as you expand into, let's say you want to start a podcast or you want to do a video series or webinars, that blog is a good foundation that you can then use to promote and reuse the other parts of of your content so if you if you can only if you can only hire me for one thing uh it it would be blogging it would be for writing absolutely do you uh do you find email marketing is is email marketing part of uh, what you do part of what you provide um i i would yes i guess yes because I, i would think of it as in newsletters um and I see newsletters as an extension of blogging and as an extension of content. It's just the same things that you can write about in your in a blog um, in a in in a format that everyone just gets. I mean, literally, right? Everyone gets email and they understand and they understand it. So yeah, if if someone is going, I think part of any blog strategy, any content marketing strategy, I do. I would absolutely say, all right, now, how are, do you have a list of people that you can email? And they, they go, well, yeah, we've got customers. So they go, okay, cool. We're going to start emailing them a blog, the blog post and maybe some curated links if they're 
you know, if the if the blog posts seem a little thin or they're not publishing very regularly yet, absolutely. I think it's, it's that's part of this this growing up is seeing this entire universe as being connected, so that you can repurpose and reuse and re-enhance all of your content. Just add ad infinitum, or maybe yeah. ad nauseum, depending <laughs> on how how it is. I've been trying to strike a balance myself. Like I've as an independent developer. I have to market all my own apps and I'm good at marketing stuff for other people. If you ask me to put together an advertising plan, do market buys, uh, come up with a voice, come up with a strategy, even come up with jingles. Like I can do all that for someone else, but doing it for myself has been, uh, I would much rather be coding than marketing. Uh, but I've started doing email newsletters and I, I love, I, have, I read it this morning. <laughs> I have fewer people on my mailing list than I have like RSS subscribers, but I see a bigger financial impact from the email newsletters than I do from blogging, hmm? which is weird and I th- to me. Well, I think it there. I think email newsletters got a really bad rap, and we as geeks really loved RSS. I can't rem- I think I haven't opened up an RSS reader in over a year, at least. And I used to be hardcore, like a, like like a thousand feeds subscribed to yeah. hardcore because that was my job. I was a professional blogger and I needed to be like get tons of information and I don't do it anymore. And I rely on about six newsletters that I read beginning to end every day. And I, I think email has really come back because people are realizing they live in their email already. And if you write a nice, tight, useful newsletter that someone can read on their phone and then, you know, mark as unread or pinned or whatever. So they, they check it back when they get to their desk. There's a tremendous amount of value um, when in that. So I'm not surprised at all that the people who are reading your newsletter, Brett, are the people who really want to know about what you're doing. And they're most engaged. Like this morning, I you you read about the the very thing we talked about last week, which was, hey, did you know Mark can marked can natively read mind map files from these two really popular mind map tools, uh, MindNode and I thought ten or is it X? Whatever. Well, I, however, I believe it's X. X. Yeah. And you put that in your newsletter, and I immediately shared it because it was compelling and it was interesting. You've shared it on LinkedIn, which leads me to a whole other line of questioning. Yeah. So I I have known people who take LinkedIn very seriously. In most circles that I run in, LinkedIn is kind of considered a... You you have a LinkedIn account because some employers expect you to, but people don't use it much. And the only people I've ever known who were really active on it were people who were doing uh, content marketing. So is that, do do you have like a LinkedIn community? How many, are there like enough followers that it's a a, a viable uh, marketing platform for you? It is. And uh, my my journey with LinkedIn is actually really interesting. I was an early, early starter in LinkedIn. I think I joined in like 2004. When it was brand new and when their kind of their guideline was, you know, don't you, you connect to people you actually know in real life. Right. And you had to like verify or they had to verify that they knew you and everything before you yeah. Could connect. Yeah. 
Exactly, that whole thing. And then one day by accident, they had one of these features like, you can upload your contacts list. Yep, I did that accidentally too. And then you send out all these invites. And I was in t- uh, I was hum- I was so embarrassed. But then the interesting thing was a lot of those people who I never would have had the guts to ask actually accepted the connection request. And then I kind of let LinkedIn go just really for when I needed to get a job. Um, but recently, uh, I and I guess since I started getting back into freelancing a little more towards the fall. Um, I would say actually start of the pandemic was when I really started spending more time in LinkedIn, really doubled down in January and I'm on there every day, several times a day. And I do have enough people in my network that I've gotten business from LinkedIn. And I think it's a really growing community, not just of content marketers, but everyone who wants to share new and interesting things with people. Uh, So, but it is like, I was a huge Twitter person for years and years and years and made the mistake. I think a lot of, a a lot of people made was I started following tons of people and my feed got really noisy. And then I got to the point where I couldn't care less. And I'm, and I just stopped, stopped interacting with it. You know, I, I, I will get a little ping when it's like someone at mentions me. Um, like, oh, that's cool. But that, ha- that I mean, that happens so rarely now. It's, of course, it's, you know, it's a double-edged sword or chicken egg thing, whatever you want, however you want to put it, that um, if I'm not on there interacting, of course, no one's going to interact with me. But I, I really like LinkedIn. Um, and I think there's, there's a whole community of people who see LinkedIn as a really great extension of content marketing. And one thing I started doing was I was posting things on LinkedIn and you have, you don't have a lot of space um, to do stuff. You only have, I think like 500, I don't know. It it seems like only 500 characters, but it's, it's gotta be more than that, but it's not a lot. And I would spend time writing them and realize, you know, that would be a decent enough blog post just as it is. And I would copy it into my blog and just paste it there. And it it was, when it was weird to realize I was posting on LinkedIn first and then copying it and putting it on my blog. Sure. And now I'm seeing people who I'm reading their LinkedIn posts and it shows up the next day as part of their email newsletter. And so this is, this was again, like that teenage joint going into college content marketing. We're now seeing is like, look, it's not just one thing. You, you connect all the dots and it gets, you hit all of all the audiences in different ways. Interesting. I, uh, does it, will LinkedIn tell me when I joined? Cause I feel like it was the, the, profile photo that i have on linkedin is from the early 2000s so i must have been an early adopter you must have been i don't know i haven't looked at one when i joined linkedin i don't see an easy way to see that but anyway but anyway i would i would check but my my mechanical keyboard is so clacky that you would have to mute me and go be like oh tris seriously yeah i've been i've been typing i had to type my uh 2FA password or like code to get into LinkedIn. And I only have my mechanical keyboard hooked up. So I very slowly pressed the keys so they wouldn't click. Um, yes. Like here, I have to type this in. How, how slowly can you type? But my keyboard with the loud blue switches is in need of soldering, which is what I'm doing after this conversation. Uh, so I'm using the brown switches right now, which is a little better for podcasting. Okay. See, soldering is something I need to learn because I my blue Yeti 
my original one I got over 10 years ago, um, suffered from a a bout of gravitational deceleration disease. I don't Um, know what that means. Yeah, it fell off a desk. Yeah, that's that's what, if but, I had to guess, that was what I was going to guess. Yeah, it fell off a desk. My one of my wife's voice students accidentally pulled it off the music stand and it hit the floor and it dented the grill and then a couple of days later the little USB plug broke off inside. And it's a $2 it's like $2.50 Canadian piece. And I could easily fix it if I knew how to solder. So I'm probably going to have to either pay for someone to solder it or beg someone I know to solder it. I haven't soldered since I was in high school. I used to like take apart police scanners and do crazy things with them. But uh, yeah, I I got really good at welding. So I'm hoping some of my welding skills translate back to soldering. I don't think they're at all related. I'm going to be I'm going I'm to be making a mess and I hope I don't destroy this keyboard, but or or burn yourself. Yeah, I think I learned welding in middle school. Grade 7 metal shop. I learned how to weld and I haven't done it since. Uh, yeah, I I I started welding in college uh when I was at art art school. Uh, I did a whole 3D uh sculpture curriculum and I got really into like I found like like acetylene welding with just like running long beads and making like seamless welds and I got just super it was cathartic for me just to put on oh, the goggles yeah. and just push a bead you know for like a 3 foot seam and just make it perfectly smooth uh, like I I loved it it was fun I'd say I I can I can relate to that I can absolutely relate to that feeling um when when I I guess probably when I'm cooking, yeah, yeah and, I can and, see. and 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 like I've I perfectly dice the onion, yeah, and it's just like oh they're all even, there's no blood. Not that I cut myself very often, but you know I didn't. So I get when I first started getting into cooking, which was a few years back now, um, my knife handling skills were just awful. And I, I was going through like a box of band-aids a week, just wow. blood everywhere. I ended up buying, you ever heard of like liquid bandage? Like, Oh yes. Like yeah. I had to keep that on hand for the really deep cuts. It's basically like putting super glue on your cuts. It is. And, it's what super glue was invented for. Re- yeah. It was wound closing. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like a liquid bandage is just slightly less toxic than super glue. Um, but anyway, I, uh, I, I started, I watched some YouTube videos. I read some books on just basic knife handling and I got really good at it. And for a couple years there, I never cut myself once, but then I figured out how to do the real fast chopping mm-hmm. and I am good at it, but I also have shaky hands and every once in a while, like every like 10th chop, 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 chop. I'll stutter and lift the blade too high. Yep. So I have been slicing off the middle uh, middle segment of my middle finger, which is what I use as the guard. Yeah. And yep. I've been just slicing these neat little uh, chunks of skin off of it. So I, I permanently have a Band-Aid on my middle finger these days. I don't know when I got bad again, but I did. I can, I, I, as soon as you said, and I lift the knife up, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, that is my biggest fear. You got the claw. I got a good, I'm worried. I've been working on my claw and that's the thing I'm most afraid of is, is doing, is, is lopping off part of my finger. But on the plus side, you know, if at least you're lopping 
parts of your knuckle off cleanly, yeah. your knife is sharp. I mean, yeah. there's a, you look at it that way. Yeah. You know, yeah. Silver linings. Um, so anyway, you mentioned mind mapping, and that's a, mm-hmm. that's a topic I love. Uh, we talked about it on your podcast briefly, but then your next guest was going to be Chuck Fry, who is well known for his uh, mind mapping prowess. How did that conversation go? Okay, beside the end that I totally screwed up, it was great. And it was it was great to be able to finally talk with Chuck because like you, he's you know, we've known each other digitally for 10 years. And the thing that that Chuck is so fantastic about, and he just wrote an ebook about mind mapping for writing books, is the idea of taking mind mapping into directions where you never thought it would go. Things like mind mapping for project management. You know, wow. Okay, hold on. Tell tell me more about this. I'm confused because I would usually just do it as a brain dump, and it, that would be it. Uh, or um, when I learned how to originally, you know, export mind manager mind maps to Word outlines, and that was that was what a book chapter would become. Um, those were that was cool. But he's take he takes it to a whole another level of how you organize thoughts and ideas, and rearrange them, and just let things flow that is truly um truly brilliant it made me like okay i gotta i gotta get back into doing much more mind mapping and in fact the next post i wrote for a client i mind mapped the outline first it's like well okay well that was a lot less painful than usual yeah so like and and like you said i wrote about this uh just on my blog just yesterday but uh i start if it's gonna be like a four paragraph quick hit post it i I don't mind map it but if it's gonna have more than one like sub headline in it it's gonna be a longer piece i always start writing with a mind map i start my projects with mind maps too well as you mentioned it um i'm working with a coach and he gave me this assignment to develop a project plan for how i've envisioned myself to be successful as, as as a coach should and uh, he's, you know, he was like, well, I just do it in Word or Docs or Pages. <laughs> it's like, and then we had our talk, and then I talked with Chuck, and I'm like, no, 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 this is going to be a mind map, and I'm going to like unleash the whole power of Mind Manager has Gantt charts and you know dependencies and all of this. It's like, if I'm going to do this, let's just do it and do it really well. So. So uh, just before we call you, you called, that's what I was doing. I was setting up the project nice. in my mentor. I, uh, I, I decided quite a while ago that mind mapping just wasn't for everybody because I would talk yeah. to people who are, who, who would say they had tried it and it just didn't click for them. And I thought maybe it has to do with my ADHD. Maybe I just think better in nonlinear formats. Uh, but then there have been people who have started off saying they didn't like it. They've read some of like how I use them and decided they actually love mind maps. So do you think, do you think there are people who just can't work in a mind map? I think so, because I think it, it, it has this weird, you know, you have to get used to the, depending on if the default structure is like that clockwise, right? You start with the central theme and yeah. then it goes clockwise, clockwise around. And I, and I, and I know, I thought everyone kind of just knew about mind maps, especially in technology. And I would show someone, it's like, oh, here's my mind map of this project. And it's like, how do I read this? It's like, well, you just read it clockwise. Like, oh, I still don't get it. 
and I think it's maybe just that I, the idea of non it is maybe the nonlinearity of mind maps, but I think it's just maybe the visual aspect. I think people maybe don't take a visual a visual representation of ideas as seriously as an outline, uh, even though they're outline. technically the same. They're technically the same. The the one mind map tool that I think is the weirdest. I don't know if you've ever tried Scapple yeah. by the folks who make um, Scrivener, and I loved using that for things where I was doing a project plan or whatever. And I actually didn't want things can all the things connected by default. And I right. wanted a lot of like floating globs of information and people got that. And that's, sort of, that's, I think that's applying the idea of mind mapping. Like this is how my brain thinks, but I have to play to my audience. So just to and, be nitpicky, Scapple is a concept map, which is a different, it, it, it's similar to a mind map, but it, it does not follow the idea of a central node and then the clockwise uh, child nodes, it has a far more free flowing structure where you can have multiple floating nodes and everything just, it's more of a brain dump to me. And I find concept maps. I can't work with those. Oh yeah. It took me um, several tries just to get a good feel for how to use scalpel and when, and if I were like, I would not use Scapple to outline a, um, a project or a book or an yeah. article. Yeah. No, not at all. It was really good when I had to do something like I had to visually represent how we were, how I was restructuring the websites for my last gig because I could like, okay, this, this big blob is is the is the corporate site and this big blog is one product and this other blob is another product etc and so forth um because it works in that completely disconnected concept mapped world but yeah for a lot of stuff it's just way to me it's way too scattered yeah i want when i hit return to, to connect to something that's connected to the, the thought and then well, I can move it around and in most mind mapping apps uh you can create what are called floating topics which become like entirely separate central nodes disconnected from the center center node. And you yeah. can, you can use that to create like basically multiple mind maps in one page. And that I can work with that. That's yeah. a clear delineation for me. I, I can do that part of it. Yeah. I do, I do a lot of floating. Sometimes I create them by accident, but it's like, Oh, maybe that's a good <laughs> idea. Chuck talks about that actually in his, when you're like, you're riffing on, on fiction and you kind of get this weird plot twist or side plot, pull it off as a floating topic. So you can, you doesn't mess up the rest of your outline, but you can kind of like set it aside. And it's like, okay, this is important. Maybe it'll be something else later. Have you ever used Curio? No, I haven't. You should check it out. Okay. Is it Curio with a C or a C? You never know these days. Everyone's spelling things weird. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, it's a, it's kind of a, it's an all purpose brainstorming project management app. It has uh, mind maps built in, but mind maps become part of a larger space. They're called spaces. And uh, you can have uh, freeform notes, you can have clipped web pages, you can have outlines, you can have mind maps, and they can all connect to each other in different ways. And it's a, it's a, a total 
uh, idea board kind of space where everything can, you can move things around a position the more you want, but then you can add all of those things like mind manager has, you can add like resource allocations and due dates and, and, and then it gives you like an overview of like, if you're using it for project management, you can get an overview of all of the resources allocated, all of the due dates across all of the different spaces and everything. It's a lot. It's a huge app that you could easily say is um, feature bloated, but it constantly thrills and amazes me with what it can do. All right, I'm gonna have to try it, but then I'm gonna get I'm then I'm gonna get into yet another tool that I decide to use, and like it seems like every six every every few months I go through which Markdown editor do I like the best at this moment in time? Yeah, and rotate through rotate through all of them, you know. Multi markdown, and you know your your you know NV Ultra, yeah Ulysses, just by word, you know, yeah, and that's they all have different really cool things about them. Um, and now now I have like three mind map apps now on my machine, and now Curio is going to be the fourth. And it's like, oh god, which one do I settle down and learn? Because I'm one of those people that like I have to pick a pro- pick a pick one app to do a thing. And and not and try not to waver. Well, if you're curious, my yeah. my picks for these two topics are multi markdown composer and I thoughts. I figured that I figured both of those from our last company, like multi markdown composer was I think that might have been the first one I bought. That was really the first one I bought and 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 enjoyed it. And I but I literally tried all of them. I, yeah. I literally bought every single Markdown editor available at one point or another to just to try all of them and how they just do different things. Like what happens when you drag from Chrome or Safari into your editor? What happens? Yeah. Um, or when you drag an image in or when you paste we, it, when you when you select text and paste a link, does it overwrite it or does it turn it into a link for you? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And like one thing I, I've been tr- using Bear. Yeah, a little bit. And the thing I like the most about it is that's bare the bare extension, um, either in Firefox, in uh, Safari or Chrome, is I use it to capture entire web pages, but as Markdown, which is brilliant. I mean, like like that makes my life so much easier to to manipulate text um, when I say wanted to you know have an archive of something or someone asked me, hey, we really need you to edit this this old post instead of trying to copy and paste it out of WordPress or wherever or web browser, pulling it into bear, then I have it as markdown and I can actually work with it in a sane fashion. So web page to markdown has been an obsession of mine for a long time. Like I, I built in in NVAlt, I don't know if you know this, but if you hold down option while dragging a web URL to the notes list, it will t- create a note that's a markdown version of that web page. No way. Yeah. Oh, um, man. Wow, and, cool. And I built an app called Gather that uh, takes – it just pops up a little HUD with a, a field where you paste in a URL, and it does the markdown conversion for you. Um, but the one that I use most often – well, and then I built Marky, uh, heckyesmarkdown.com, yeah. which is currently broken, but it was a web API that you could send – you could create like bookmarklets or use it in shortcut workflows and it would do that kind of conversion for you. Uh, but what I use these days is 
pop clip, I wrote an extension called WebMD uh, trademark. And okay. it's web markdown. Uh, I just thought WebMD would be funny and hope, Not, I, didn't, hope I didn't get sued. Yeah, I was going to say WebMD is like, hmm, um, that seems to have something to do with health. But OK, we're, we're, we'll, we'll go with this. Yeah. But uh, but you can select any text on a web page. And then in pop clip, you just click the WebMD button and it puts a markdown version of just the selected text in your clipboard. That's sweet. It's it works almost perfectly every time. I see. This is the thing I was looking at. Some of the uh, the apps that have kind of let go by the wayside, um, and one of them was a type it for me. I had a bunch of different clipboard manage clipboard managers, so I could have different, you know, five or six clipboards, and I could. I still miss that. It's like, oh man, I can only copy and paste one thing at a time. Why don't I just get one of the clipboard managers again? Oh yeah, because my Mac's so old now that. <laughs> I really, I don't know if I could, it could handle it, but that's right. Yeah. But as a, as a freelancer, you get to write off a new Mac. So one of these days, one of these days I will, I will, that's on the list of I need, I need a new Mac. I mean, I will say I got this MacBook air probably about nine, 10 years ago, maybe a little, maybe a little less, maybe eight years ago and it's still doing okay it's doing okay knock on wood yeah i can't i can't do 10 years old <sighs> even even when i can't afford it i find ways to make sure i have a mac that's no 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 older than five years old oh no i'm 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 i know this one is is you know reaching the end of its usable life though i was really surprised it did um load the latest os 10 or i guess it's now os 11 but yeah right yeah, that's yeah. a that's a for someone who's worked in uh, in professional blogging for long enough, you get uh, very used to the kind of paradigms of OS naming and breaking yeah. the OS 10 habit when they changed it to just be Mac OS, and we were all used to writing OS space X every time. Mm-hmm. Then I had to go through and retag all of my blog posts that were ta- that were tagged Mac OS X to to mm-hmm. Mac OS. Mac OS. Yeah, and then they ran out of big cats. Right. So, and they had, so, so then we're going to call things stuff in California. Sure. Sure. Whatever. Okay. You're in Canada, right? I am. I am. I'm outside of Vancouver, BC. Nice. Is it warm Where, there? Um, funny you should. So spring usually comes really early to where Vancouver, this area is the most annoying part of Canada to the rest of Canadians because usually our flowers come up in February. Oh, wow. Right. With like daffodils and crocuses are all up in February and tulips start, you know, soon on. And we have we're we're switching out to our spring jackets by the beginning of March. It's been a very long winter. So it was it was um, we had frost yesterday. So let's see, uh, about 32, maybe 30 is what it got down to in Fahrenheit. So it was like minus one here. And this morning uh, it was about one centigrade. And then when I took the dog out just before we sat down, it was a whopping six. So it's like in the 40s Fahrenheit, yeah. I think. So it's, spring has been a little laggy. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's afraid of social. You know, it needs to have more social distancing from winter. I don't know. But it sounds like yeah. we're experiencing very similar weather right now. I mean, yeah. I'm in Minnesota, not that far off. It's 43 yeah. degrees. So but see that when I would expect that. 
for Minnesota this time of year because I spent seven years in you know six seven years in Maine going to school, and I know it's mud it's mud season there in Maine, which yeah. is you know all the snow is melting and and anything any road that is not made out of tar is now soup. And I would be, I would expect that for here. I, I'm hope I was thinking I would be in a t-shirt, maybe not shorts yet, but you know, we'd be able to go to the park without a coat. So this is, this is how it works. When you have uh, an interview with an ADHD podcaster, you go from talking about, I, I don't even remember where this conversation started, but I know it ended up talking about the weather, which is usually yeah. how my conversations begin. So I guess it was bound to get there eventually. Yeah, of course. So I'm going to put a sponsor break here. I'm excited to continue telling you about one of my favorite sponsors, Nebbia. They're the creators of the Nebbia by Moen Spa Shower. Backed by some of the biggest names in Silicon Valley, including Tim Cook, it's designed by former Tesla, NASA, and Apple engineers who spent years researching and developing a superior shower experience that saves water and is anything but ordinary. The Nebbia by Moen Spa Shower is Nebbia's most advanced shower yet, with twice the coverage and half the water usage of standard shower heads. Despite using 45% less water, its spray is 81% more powerful than the competition, and its atomized droplets rinse shampoo and conditioner out of even the thickest hair. With easy self-installation, Nebbia by Moen can be installed in 15 minutes or less without the need for contractors, plumbers, or broken tile. If you can change a light bulb, you can install Nebbia by Moen. It's seriously easy. I installed mine in 10 minutes and I didn't need a single tool that wasn't included in the box. I have a little plumbing experience, so I wasn't super worried to begin with, but I can report that my co-host on Overtired, Christina Warren, also installed it without a hitch, despite claiming to be 100% quote-unquote not handy. And I never used to be much of a long, hot shower person. Now I love it. Sometimes I'm brainstorming, sometimes I just space out and revel in those atomized droplets. And the whole time, I'm using half the water I normally would. The Nebbia by Moen Spa Shower starts at just $199, and I have a deal for Systematic listeners. The first 100 people to use the code SYSTEMATIC at nebbia.com will get 15% off all Nebbia products. It's rare that Nebbia offers deals like this, so don't wait to go to nebbia.com slash systematic. That's N-E-B-A-S-N-B-O-Y-I-A.com slash systematic to check out what they have to offer. The first 100 people to use the code systematic when checking out will save 15% on all Nebbia products. So again, that's nebbia.com slash systematic and use that code systematic to save 15%. And that brings us to our top three picks. Uh, what do you yeah. have for me? Okay. Well, the 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 one thing that my number one is I love Snowpiercer on Netflix. Um, have you have you watched it? So I I have not watched the show. I I was not a fan of the movie. Okay. But I had heard that the show was something quite different. Very different. Very very different. Um, the only, I think, the only similarities between the movie um, and the show is very long train. Scientists thought we could cure global warming by doing something stupid with the atmosphere. Oops, freeze entire planet. Rich person makes train, circles globe. People who didn't have tickets take over the back of the car, back of the train. That's kind of where it ends, and the Earth is still frozen. I feel like that was the whole story in the movie. 
Well, it was, but then it, then there's the plot twist at the end. But the the show takes it to a very a much. They get into the class things a lot more, and the privileges of class. Um, I think they also get a little. There's it's a little more. There's a little more of the brutality that isn't in the movie as much. Um, the you know the brutality of the coal and the brutality of the class system that they've established. So it's I my wife and I really enjoy it. Um, the second season. The two final episodes dropped um, yesterday, and I I would uh, we haven't been able to watch them yet. So hopefully this weekend we'll be able to watch them. I mean, part of them for the well, okay. I don't want to give any spoilers, but Sean Bean appears in the second season, and I'm just waiting for him to die because he seems to always die in all of the shows he's ever in. I'm afraid I don't know who that is. Uh, Game of Thrones. He was the you know Ned the the oh. yeah. He was he was in one season. He was the big like character that everyone, you know, looked at, and then he died in like the second to last episode of the season. Oh man! In my memory, Ned Stark gets beheaded in like episode two because it seemed very sudden. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, but he always seems in every movie he's in, he like kicks it early on, unexpectedly. Um, he's typecast so, as the guy who dies. He's the guy who dies. Yeah. Um, um, have you seen Invincible on Amazon? No, I haven't. I've been told I need to watch that. I'm looking for opinions. I haven't watched that. Right now on Amazon, my daughter, who is six, is really loving this show called Just Add Magic. It's about these tween girls who discover a magical cookbook. And it has things like teleporting tamales and stuff, you know, popcorn that makes you see through the eyes of another person. And we've we've gone through three three or four seasons of it now, and I find it strangely engaging. And I tried not to get engaged, but then I want to know how the weird magic mystery wraps up. Fair enough, but, you know. And I'm watching Mash again on Disney Plus. Oh, that that's was, a that's good nice. idea. Yeah, that's a blast from the past. Yeah, like, wow, that was such it was such a good show. And I remember like, I, I remember watching the, I think I watched the finale live, but I've watched everything else in reruns because I was too young. Yeah. I was like two or three when it first came out. And, but I've watched all these things in reruns. Now I'm watching them in order. And it's like, Oh, that's, Oh, now it makes sense. I think I watched <laughs> my see- first episode of mash when I was probably like 16 or 17 years old, which would have been almost like 94, 95. And it had just never been part of my life before that, but it was awesome. Yeah, it, it was just—it was such a great bit of television. I mean, I, but the weird thing is, when you, as an adult, I'm looking at this, it's like all the people are way too old to have been doing what they're doing <laughs> um, at that time. Like Klinger, if you look carefully, even in the first first second season when he shows up, he's got some gray hairs. Oh, it's like he, he would he not have been froze feet. Yeah, it's like he would not have been drafted. At that age, like, you know, in your late 30s, early 40s, even back then in the 50s, they wouldn't have drafted you. (laughs) I mean, come on. Um, People are showing and like no one has, you know, anywhere close to a military haircut. Um, I mean, of course, they probably couldn't have, you know, people cut high and tight um, in the 70s as actors. That would just not have gone over. But no one's got, you know, a really military haircut. You just notice those things now as an adult. Yeah. 
All right. So what's your second pick? Well, we already talked about the second one, which is spring. And I feel like this has been the longest winter ever between the pandemic and just spring seems to be late. Ugh, I just cannot wait for nice warm weather and flowers and leaves on the trees again. And maybe we'll be able to get out and do things with people. Because we weren't nearly, BC wasn't nearly as bad for lockdowns as some of the other parts of North America. But, you know, we we definitely need to see some other human beings. And that would be nice. Winter here felt short to me. We had a very, it was a mild winter. We only had like three big snowfalls. And even those were like six to eight inches, which is. Soda. Right. Uh, That's like, you, you plow the drive twice and you're, you're good. Um, unless you have one of those really big heavy duty plows and you can just plow once when it's done. Um, I have a, I have a small electric snow plow, so I have to be like proactive. And once there's two inches on the ground, I got to go clear the driveway so I can get the next two inches later without clogging up the machine. (sighs) You know, it's, it's funny you talk about that because you know, like I, I was, I was born in new England and I went to school in Maine and, um, my parents were from the Northeast and when I lived in Virginia, we would be out shoveling snow long before the storm ended and all of our neighbors thought we were insane. And then out here we had, we had one good snow in BC, which is kind of normal for Vancouver. We have, we might get one good snow. And I was out there before it stopped going, shoveling the driveway and shoveling the walk. And thing is like, no one else is out there. What am I doing? It's like, oh, yeah, because like you're used to if it snows, you know, like it would usually you don't want to be trying to shovel two feet of snow off the driveway. Yeah, you will die. You, you will have a heart attack in the middle of the driveway and become, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, that's that, too. That's a given. That's yeah. a given. Thankfully, we don't get that much snow. But our last big snow started with ice. Uh, so Ugh. underneath the snow, there was about a quarter inch of glare ice my dad who like i live in the same city as my parents um and my dad had gone out to the mailbox and had slipped and split his head open like oh my god oh god is he okay yeah yeah he he had he had like it was serious he had amnesia like he got into the house and couldn't remember why he was covered in blood and wow. so they got him to the hospital, they got him stitched up. So I went over that evening to plow the driveway for them. And he happens to have one of those big fancy plows. So it was kind of like, it's huge. And it has um, like a big plastic shield that goes around the person who's plowing. Oh my God, this is, this is hardcore. This yeah. is hardcore serious. Yeah. So I'm get I get down to the the ice on their driveway, and it's good thing this thing's so big because I'm it's, I'm doing like the running man behind it, and it's big oh. enough it's big <laughs> enough to hold me up. I can like grip onto the handles and not fall down. But I get down to the bottom, and there's all of this blood just like frozen into the ice. It was crazy. Oh God, it's like The Shining. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Okay. Well, anyway, happy spring. Happy spring. I mean, I mean, it's you know, like Easter's this Sunday. You know, we've we've had we've had the one full moon after the spring equinox. Therefore, Sunday becomes Easter. Right. So, you know, 
And then it wasn't for like years. I realized, you know, found out that's what the rule is and why Easter just moves seemingly randomly all over the place. Yeah. I I just knew it was always on a Sunday. I never really paid attention to why it was on which Sunday. I'm just, I'm just a geek that way. I love the natural world and science. So I have to know. So it's the first Sunday after the first full moon after the spring equinox. Which is probably a case of a pagan ritual that the Christian church wanted to overwrite with something. I'll bet it's one better. It's because of Passover. Well, because the Last Supper was the Last Supper was Passover. What does that have to do with the equinox? Because well, they figured out like if the Last Supper was Passover and you want to do it at the right time of year, you got a time. It, that's why Passover and Easter always are pretty close together. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Learned something that, today. That's that's the deal. So, and you want my my third thing. Yeah. Relating to Easter, okay, Cadbury cream eggs or Peeps? What's your What's your Easter candy go to? Cadbury. Like I honestly, some people hate Peeps. I like Peeps; they're great. But Cadbury cream eggs are I, I I wish they were on sale all year long, but I love the sale after Easter, and I will stock up and I will eat those things like crazy. All right, I'll see. I knew you were going to say this, so up here. Cadbury cream eggs are around are here year round, including the crunchy mini eggs. And not only that, we have Cadbury. We have, um, you know, like well, I guess they're they're called caramellos in the states, but they're called yeah. caramels here. So Cadbury cream egg filled with caramel. They have Oreo ones. Um, what else? Uh, oh Henry, like we get we get those those cream egg variants year round. You want a cream egg? cross the border well when you can cross the border <laughs> we got them year round you can get crab cabaret cream eggs in various i don't want kinds, i don't want kinds. any of those variations i just like the, oh, the yellow and white cream you got to try the caramel one. Oh, I, nah. I, I have enjoyed the caramel ones but if i'm in the mood for a cadbury cream egg i'm i'm not looking for the caramel ones do you do, you do the cadbury cream egg um milkshake at uh, mcdonald's I haven't been to McDonald's since 1992. That's probably a good thing then. Yeah. Or it's a, actually, it's not, it's what, it's a McFlurry. It's not a milkshake. It's a, a Cadbury cream egg McFlurry. I know it's, it does sound delicious, but no. I haven't. Oh yeah. It would, it would probably, it, you, you see it displayed and your, your blood sugar just spikes. You don't even have to eat it and your blood sugar spikes. I wonder, so. I wonder if you can just get like, uh, a bottle of the cream filling. Oh, I don't know. I bet you could in the UK. I bet someone in the UK, Cadbury has said Cadbury was just make a tube of of Cadbury cream egg filling. Oh, and then you could you could wet it down a little bit so that it it was like uh, could go through a straw, and then oh. get one of those beer hats. Yeah, filled with Cadbury cream. That you can oh. just sip through a straw while you walk around. I'd be into that. Oh my god! I think someone would have to be chasing you with with a diabetic <laughs> crash kit, because, <laughs> and then followed by your dentist, who's gonna be like, well, he's gonna like, how many more cavities does he have now? It's been about an hour. It should be about three. Yeah, Oof. my my, yeah, den- I, I my dentist would be pleased. Yeah, I I can do about one or two true cream eggs. In the Easter season, but then it's the caramel ones that I go for, or or the Oreo ones. I'll let you have that. Yeah, 
and but my favorite are jelly beans. It's actually that's that's what I'll eat by the handful. Jelly beans. I don't, see, I don't like I don't like jelly beans, and I don't like most licorice. Uh, like it, I don't like the shiny hard licorice. I like the kind of the like artisan licorice is a little more fun for me. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't hate anise. I just hate the Twizzlers hard licorice. Yeah, it, that's not real licorice. That's just gross. No, I, I like. We get a lot of really good licorice. The Panda Panda brand is one of my favorites. It's what uh, what color jelly bean? All of them. All of them. That's the thing. I I I don't pick and choose a jelly bean. I just eat it by the handful and get this melange of jelly bean flavors and hope that a, a black jelly bean works in there so I can get a little licorice hit. I don't know why I don't like jelly beans. Like I love candy. I don't know what about jelly beans I don't like. No, they're they're awesome. I mean, I know it's like the totally the Reagan era thing because that was that was Ronald Reagan's big thing was <laughs> jelly beans on his desk, and then. I don't remember what George Herbert Walker, you know, H.W. Bush had. I know his son had pork rinds. That was his thing. Yep. Um, but I don't, I don't remember what the other presidents had for snacks. Obama, I think, was just too healthy. I mean, he had to quit smoking once he when it once he went into the, went into office. So I don't think he had. He, I bet he had a secret stash in the bottom of the. the oh, I bet truck. he had something. No one quit smoking without getting into candy. Totally. Like, that is just. I don't think it's possible to get to quit smoking and not develop some kind of uh, snack habit. No, I wonder if Telly Savalas was the person who kicked that off. You probably don't remember Telly Savalas was he had a cop show, Kojak, and he was he was trying to quit smoking and he always sucked on a lollipop. That was the shtick for his character. Not only was he bald, but he always had a lollipop because <laughs> he was he was trying to quit he was quitting smoking it, but he and that was how he dealt with it. With yeah, the lollipop. Yeah. Oral fixations. Yeah. You got it. Yeah. You know, that's why you gain a lot of gain weight when you, when you, uh, quit smoking. All right. So if people want to, uh, to find you, get in touch with you, see what you're up to, where, where can they look? You you can go to trishussie.com or if you want to use, uh, maybe an easier to think spell ink by the barrel.ca is my sort of alternate domain because I decided when I relaunched freelancing that I would call myself, you know, ink by the barrel writing services. And you also have a podcast. And I do have a podcast, which also ink related is my ink stained fingers. And if someone was like, you know, this LinkedIn conversation is really intriguing. Where can I find Tris on LinkedIn? Well, that's the the best thing is you can just search for me and I'm there. That's the, thankfully there's not many there's no there's not other Triss. You know, it's pretty easy to find Triss. So uh, yeah, you just search for me and you'll find me on LinkedIn. And um, I do connect with a lot of people. Um, just please don't sell, send me a a direct message selling me something right away. That that really. That's just not cool. While while we were but, talking and I was looking at my own LinkedIn account, I logged in and realized I had like 20 happy birthday messages from last year. My birthday was in July. That's how often I've been on LinkedIn. Yeah. You know, that's what I don't do. I don't have my birthday on LinkedIn. I keep that to Facebook. And I, cause I, I think it's weird to get happy birthday messages on LinkedIn. I still have that business personal split going on that I want to like, okay, LinkedIn, I'm more businessy people who are friends. They can wish me happy birthday on Facebook, but not, not on LinkedIn. And I don't think I've ever wished anyone happy birthday on LinkedIn. 
And uh, do you have a neglected Twitter handle? I do. It's Tris Hussey. Very simple. It was early on that uh, I was able to get. I didn't get Tris. I didn't think that far ahead. Like, I just thought, well, everyone knows me as Tris Hussey, so I'll be Tris Hussey. And I could have gotten, probably gotten, couldn't gotten Tris, yeah. you know, but I, I didn't. And yeah. that's that's where I am. I mean, my Twitter's somewhat neglected, but um, I if someone messages me and I'll I'll, I'll pop in and interact. But that's okay. that's where I am. Cool. Well, thank you for uh, for your time today. Oh, thank you for letting me be on the show. And I guess I guess I can wait for a next invitation. What about three four years when you come back around? Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll we'll see what happens. Cool. You're definitely on the on the. This was a a blast. Like I love the ADHD kind of flow we had going here. So yeah, you you didn't disqualify yourself from future episodes. That's for sure. Oh, that's good. Well, that's good. Yeah, I do. I do have a touch of the the ADHD. So I can. I my my brain can go like just change topic. Fine, I'll jump. No no problem whatsoever. No problem whatsoever. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening, and we'll see you all in a week. Hey, thanks for tuning in to Systematic. Check out more episodes at systematicpod.com and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Find me as TT Scoff on all social platforms and follow Systematic at Systemcast, S-Y-S-T-M-C-A-S-T on Twitter. Thanks for listening.